please welcome the chairman of WWE, Vince McMahon! Throughout this past year, our WWE superstars performed tirelessly for all of you. Week after week, month after month, but we all knew there was something missing, something very important, the most important. That would be all of you, our fans, the WWE Universe. And as we emerge from this dreadful pandemic, on behalf of our entire WWE family, we would simply like to say thank you and welcome you to WrestleMania! everyone and welcome to an all-new episode of palace off the top rope thank you so much for joining me ladies and gentlemen and wrestlemania was back in business this past weekend from tampa florida at raymond james stadium uh, and as you just heard right there vince mcmahon the ceo and owner of world wrestling entertainment opening up the show with the entire wrestling roster on stage welcoming back the WWE fans, for the first time since the start of this pandemic, into a live show to participate, to cheer, boo, you know, whatever you want to do as a, as a paying customer. Um, it was a nice sight to see. Um, WrestleMania, and unless you've been there live, folks, you don't know what it's like, the atmosphere. It, it really is something magical. Um, I just went a few years ago in 2018 in New Orleans, and I gotta tell you, like, there's nothing. I've been to wrestling shows live, and they're all spectacular in one form or another. But going to WrestleMania, there's something about the aura of it that just takes it to a whole other level. I've never been to a Super Bowl, and I imagine that's the same kind of atmosphere, but, you know, WrestleMania is just, there's just this super grandeur to it. And again, I can't explain it. You have to be there. You have to experience it live. So I can only imagine what it was like in that moment. Uh, for the fans in attendance to, to see McMahon there with the entire roster and most of the, the roster there. You can see the smiles on their faces and we're talking, you know, good guys, bad guys all out there, but they were all smiling because they know, uh, along with like, you know, wrestling diehards, like that the fans are one of the most important, if not the most important, uh, component of making a wrestling show spectacular. Is that reaction from the live crowd, the feedback, all that stuff really matters. And it's been, uh, it's been a rough watch these last couple of years, um, with wrestling, just in terms of like storylines and bookings and all that stuff. But I can only imagine what it was like for the wrestlers this past year, having to wrestle with no crowd. I mean, you go back to last year's WrestleMania, which I just barely rewatched. Probably for the first time since since it aired live last year, and it was just so weird to see all these wrestlers doing the matches and and working hard and and you know working their asses off and you know beating the hell out of each other with no reaction whatsoever. They were working in an empty building, 
and it was just the commentators and the wrestlers, so you could hear everything. The the live commentary, the wrestlers could hear that, and they can hear themselves slapping each other around and and talking trash and all of that. But you know, I can only imagine what it was like to perform like that um, without no audience. And I know the WWE tried to adapt and and do as much as possible to try to make it sustainable for the wrestlers. You know, they they created this thing called the Thunderdome, right, where they they performed at the Tropicana Field, uh, which is home, I, I believe, of the Tampa Bay Rays. And they built like this virtual like dome of fans where they would have them, you know, as uh, you know, on the screen, like they, like if they were co- computing through Zoom, you know, they were. That's the way wrestlers saw the fans for this past year. So I can only imagine how elated they were that they were going to get to perform in front of a live audience and get real emotions and have them react as their characters because all of that you need all of that to to make your wrestling character and your shows and your matches all work like it's all like a teamwork effort like you can get away in sports with football and doing like no crowds because at the end of the day you're like it, it, it it's a sport trying to you know you're trying to win points and you know it's all about the objective but for wrestling it's it's theatrics it's all of it it's athleticism it's uh it's drama, but you need that component of the audience to make it all whole. So I can understand the dwindling ratings on both sides for like WWE and AEW, why they've been so down. And a large part of it is because watching a wrestling show these days is pretty weird with no crowd reaction. Or if anything, it's it's piped in or you have wrestlers there in the crowd posing as an audience. So it's not really the same thing because... You're not really getting what the audience is feeding off of the stuff you're giving them. So it, it was a nice sight to see. And it was great to see WrestleMania look like WrestleMania this year with a big, huge crowd, which I believe this was like the second event like in, uh, I don't want to say the world or possibly the world. So we had the Super Bowl this past uh, February and they had allowed, I think, around twenty five to 30,000 people in attendance. So that was our first major test of like, could we get a big enough crowd for an event like this. So WWE paid attention and watched how they did the Super Bowl and how they did their fans and all that stuff. So they kind of modeled the same way. You know, you had your cardboard cutouts set up throughout the stadium where where you would social distance people. But yet you, you, for the wrestling show, why it was different was because you saw a huge chunk of the audience on the floor and all together, like if it were just a regular show. Of course, you had your people wearing masks and stuff like that. So that, that was the only part where you could notice you can notice it like that this is a different year but it was great to see a live audience again and again it watching it it felt like the i know it's weird to say nostalgic the good old days but that's just that's just where we are currently as a nation and all that stuff we're we're already nostalgic for our you know our old life and the way things were so just a little bit of hope was brought back with that which will i mean we'll eventually I think get back to the way things were. I know things that have been changed forever, but seeing that just as a picture on a television screen, and of course, I can only imagine being there live. It was special. So, for that for that reason alone, this WrestleMania will forever be remembered specifically because it was the first one back with a huge live audience. But overall, as a show, it was it was fine. It was entertaining. It was it was good enough, and maybe that was because I had my expectations lowered a lot given the way. A lot of the show was booked, and uh, and you can 
notice that from from myself having listened if you go back and listen to my show with Brandon that we did last week where we ran down the entire card where we were just iffy on a lot of stuff and so we were just gonna have to wait and see how it played out and there there was a really some really good standout moments from this show which I'll count down later on in the next segment I'll give you my top five matches uh, of WrestleMania week which is now basically what it's become right WrestleMania is no longer just like a one-day event it is now spread out throughout the course of the week, and that includes NXT, which put on their own two-night show event, which was pretty fantastic. And uh, WrestleMania, of course, emanated Saturday and Sunday. And I think that's just the new normal going forward. I mean, th- we have to find ways for, for this thing to adapt and to grow and to get it bigger and bigger. And what better way than to have WrestleMania split up the entire weekend, and it dominates the entire conversation on social media, you know, it's good for the city to bring in revenue. You can double dip as far as like selling tickets for both nights. And as far as I know, both nights did tremendous as far as like fan attendance. I think you're looking at around 25,000 for each night. So over 50,000 in total, which is awesome. Now, can you imagine when we're back at a hundred percent capacity and, uh, you know, we can just fill up these entire arenas. And I know next year they're going to be at AT&T stadium in Dallas, Texas, which you can fill at least a hundred thousand people in there. Now will it get there? Who knows? But um, the fact that um, you can spread that out over a whole weekend is awesome, especially for me as a diehard wrestling fan. Why wouldn't you want it all weekend as opposed to just one night? So there have been those that I've seen online that are like, ah, get it back to one day. I'm like, no, you got to adapt it with the times. You got to milk this as much as possible. And it's not like you're doing it all the time. It's it's one time out of every year. So why not just go as big as possible, spread it out, get as much revenue as you can out of the city. You generate it for, for the city, actually. And WWE just, you know, they they just become a bigger, bigger brand because of it. So good job on them for that. I know last year, they this is the second time they're doing the two-night event. Um, but last year, it was, it was uh, an anomaly just because we were all basically quarantined at the time. So we were like, yeah, give us a Saturday and a Sunday full of content. We need it. We need stuff to watch. But now having seen it, you know, with an actual crowd in the audience, would people be going to both nights? And it, it, it played off tremendously. And as a viewer, it doesn't um, overwhelm you or burn you out. Because these last couple of WrestleManias, it's kind of become like the Super Bowl where it's almost like an all-day event and the coverage and all that stuff can wear you out. So by the time you like get to the end of the event, you're kind of like burned out. But the fact that they've split it up and there was what? Four, about 14 matches total, but you split that up seven and seven. And it makes for a more watchable show and, and the, the matches don't get uh, worn out or, or timed out. You don't have the audience fatigue live there in person. So for the most part, everybody was mostly into all of the matches that were going on. And as a viewer at home, you spend like three and a half to four hours instead of like a full on eight for just one sitting experience. So you can split that up and uh, it's a win-win for everybody. So good job to WWE on that. I know they took a lot of uh, inspiration from New Japan. Like don't get it twisted. WWE is not the first ones to do like a two night big wrestling event. New Japan actually did this. They tried this out, I believe, a couple of years ago with Wrestle Kingdom, which is their version of like WrestleMania, and they split it up to a two-night event, and it worked out well for them. 
Um, but of course, WWE is the bigger name brand. They're going to get more recognition for it. So they'll probably be credited with like doing like a big two, two night wrestling event. And, you know, that's just the way things go. Um, you know, you have your Dave Meltzer's that'll, that'll counter that always. But, you know, for the most part, WWE will be known probably going forward for having WrestleMania being like a whole weekend event, two nights. And that's just awesome for wrestling fans. So I, I, I couldn't be more excited and more thrilled with how things went this past weekend considering i wasn't super excited about the card going in um let's take a quick break when we come back i'm gonna break down all the things that i liked from wrestlemania including my top five matches of of the weekend and that and i'll include nxt takeover in on that i'm gonna include them because they they were a huge part of that week and uh, i'll tell you about some stuff that that i didn't like that didn't play off well in the show so this is palace off the top rope we'll be right back they say everything's bigger here, and not to mess with us, because this place runs deep in our hearts. Here's the bottom line. This is where the jaws will drop, the feet will stomp, the crowds will roar, and the superstars will soar. When the roofs are blown off, asses get handed. And moments are made in the only way we know how. What? WrestleMania calls, and Dallas says, Oh, hell yeah! All right, welcome back to the show. And WrestleMania 38 will be coming to you from the AT&T Stadium in Dallas, Texas, next April. I'm so looking forward to that. I missed it the last time it was here. And uh, actually, it's okay because it ended up being such a so-and-so WrestleMania. But um, I'm not going to miss it this time around. And I've got somebody that lives up there in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So you better believe we're going to plot to go to that uh, event. We were actually plotting to go to this year's WrestleMania, but there were so many like what if factors, you know, and plus the ticket sales went on sale like super late. So, you know, we didn't know prices and all that stuff. And usually WrestleMania, it used to be like that back in the day, they would release ticket sales like super late in the game. But now like they, everybody likes to get everything so ahead of schedule and usually like around like, September, October around there, you get like the WrestleMania travel packages on sale where like you get hook hotels booked and you know, whether you buy packages for NXT, the Hall of Fame, WrestleMania and the Monday Night Raw afterwards. So there's all those packages that come out super early. And then I think around like November is when like the individual tickets go on sale. So they like to have these, this stuff planned out ahead of time this year it was a little like unexpected yes we had crowds back uh, live in person but there was still like the what if unknown factor about it now i think now as the vaccine's coming out and you know we're getting more comfortable and in some way trying to go back to our old way of life i think the whole like release schedule of tickets and all that stuff will be on par with the way it's been like uh, in recent years where we'll get it early. So we'll, we'll plan it out fully. We'll know how much we're going to have to pay and how much we're going to have to save up for hotels and 
Um, luckily, I won't have to fly anywhere because I my buddy lives up there, so I'll only have to drive, which won't be a bad drive. It's I've done it before, and it's it's not bad at all. So that's a more doable like WrestleMania trip as opposed to like us booking this far in advance and you know the whole like does buying one ticket get you only access to one night of the event? And I think that's how it works, ladies and gentlemen. You buy. WWE is going to try to double dip and and get revenue like for both nights. So I think if you buy one ticket, it's for one night of WrestleMania, not for both, unless you get like a a travel package deal or if you just buy a whole like combo set of tickets. So yeah, next year Dallas, Texas. Um, the only thing I don't like is the logo. And again, I'm a stickler and I look at all these little details only because it's framed in the colors of the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. If y'all know me, you know how I feel about the Dallas Cowboys. More specifically, Cowboys Nation. But that's like a little nitpick. It's still WrestleMania. It'll be fun next April. Gonna look forward to try to get there. It's an expensive ticket, but it'll be worth it. Because again, if you've never experienced a WrestleMania Live, there is nothing like it. And I've done it once, and I want to do it again. So yeah, looking forward to that. So before I get to my top five matches of this past uh, WrestleMania week... um. Let's talk about Stone Cold Steve Austin's Broken Skull Sessions, which has become one of my favorite shows to watch on the network as far as like original content is concerned. It's like, it's a form of a podcast, but it, obviously it's done in a, in a studio and it's, it's filmed. So you get to see both people. So Stone Cold Steve Austin has been interviewing, you know, wrestlers from the past and, you know, from the current roster. And there are these like really fun conversations and some of them go like past two hours. But if you're like a super diehard wrestling fan, like you learn a lot of cool stuff. And you know, it, most of these days people think that it's all like, you know, the high flyers and the, the work rate and, and all that stuff. And, and they think that that's all that what makes like a good wrestler. Like there's so much more to it. It's about character. It's about charisma. It's about the little things that you do. It's it's the things that you tweak to your character and all that stuff. And hearing about all these little stories about what people do to 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 you know enhance their character or just make little subtle differences that that just make for an overall better presentation of their character. That's what Stone Cold dives into with with these shows. So if you want to learn more about these wrestlers and you know how they started and how they moved up in the business, like I encourage you to watch. Stone Cold Steve Austin show the Broken Skull session, which you can watch on on Peacock. Um, what was interesting about this week's new episode, and I talked about this with Brandon and and Raul last week on our WrestleMania shows. Um, he was going to be having on Chris Jericho, who we all know had been a part of WWE for a very long time, but as of right now, he's working with another wrestling promotion. You know, quote unquote, the competitor, but you know. Not really, at least not yet. Uh, they're still in their infancy stages. But he's working right now for All Elite Wrestling, which is another major wrestling company that's on, you know, on a major channel. They're on TNT. So it's, you know, it's kind of like the competition in a way. So Jericho appearing on a WWE-themed show while working for another company was is a huge deal for, for wrestling fans. Like, it's almost like... they're entering this crossover world you know that's that's what we're in now right everything has to cross over you look at what marvel's done you look at what tv shows are doing now these days you know the law and order and and the gray's anatomies like they all do crossovers with their shows on the same network so it's interesting to see that jericho was allowed to to be on this show and actually 
discuss all elite wrestling a little bit so and not in a way where like they they belittled them or anything like that like you know stone cold won't do that he's he's very true to himself and he's very you know will ask like the right questions you know he's not going to make the other company look bad but it was very interesting to see jericho and austin talk about (laughs) another wrestling company on a wwe themed show now you can say well they talk about wcw and awa and all that stuff but yeah but wwe now owns all of that property so it's okay for them to talk about like they don't own anything with all elite wrestling so that's just free promotion for them and but also it's cool on wwe's part because you know i i think in the world that we're in now like you can't really shy away from things like that the fans are just too smart now and and you know i think the audience as a whole is just too smart so to try to ignore that there's another wrestling promotion out there on a on a mainstream level is i think ludicrous and uh the fact that stone cold steve austin got vince mcmahon's permission to do this is a little bit of a sign that he's kind of maybe open to the idea of you know maybe doing something down the line with uh with all elite wrestling who knows i mean that's that's a you know a wrestling fan's dream and it would be good business for both brands but the fact that this even happened is uh to me, it's a miracle just because we all know uh, the history with Vince McMahon and the way he would treat competition and act like they w- they don't exist and never acknowledging them. Um, so this was real cool. So anyways, Jericho and, and Austin had a really good conversation and they, they, they covered some uh, AEW stuff, which I know everyone was probably dying for. But I was more interested in the stuff that Jericho likes to give, the little backstories, because I guess I've been following his entire career at least for the most part in WWE, I covered all of it or I watched all of it. So it was nice to hear these backstories on little things he would do, ideas and, and all these things. All like all the major stuff that you've ever seen on WWE television regarding him, including his like his debut when he interrupted The Rock on Monday Night Raw. Like the stories behind that and all that stuff is just really fun. And it's great to learn more about these characters and, and more about like how much this business is just so hard. Like I, I like you know, everybody always gives me shit for being a wrestling fan and, oh, you, you know, it's fake and all that stuff. And it's like, gosh, it's just a form of entertainment, guys. It's like no different than like, you know, the Avengers or Marvel. Like none of that stuff is real, but yet you get a kick out of it. You enjoy it. It's the same for me. But nobody realized how hard it is to be a professional wrestler because there's not only like ele- there's elements of athleticism, there's theatrics. So there's, you know, I mean, it's not the best acting, but there's they People have to pull off characters, so they somewhat have to know how to perform in that way. Um, they have to, you know, perform in front of a live audience. They have to go on live TV where anything can happen. You know, mistakes happen, so there's added pressure on that. There's learning how to perform in front of a camera. It's not just doing the wrestling moves. It's, you know, knowing which camera to look at and which camera to pose at. And, and all there's all these different factors, and I love hearing these wrestlers talk about all that stuff. Like it, it makes me think like, man, I, I would love to try to try this out as a profession. Now, I don't know if I could handle the athleticism part of it. I don't know if my body could hold up, you know, taking moves like that. And I know people like to say it's fake, but get your ass. The people who have ever said that to me in my life, I say, get your ass in a ring and take like a suplex or, or take a fall in that ring and then tell me it's fake. Um, so I don't know if my body could handle that part of it, but I would, I would so be up for it. And I think I could totally get into, you know, uh, building a character and having to perform and talk in front of an audience and do 
you know, promotion to to hype up your match. I can get into all that. Like, I feel like I would be really good at it. Um, like, obviously, now I think it's just too late for me to, to get into something like that. Usually in wrestling, you want to start out, like, super younger. So that way, you know, your body could get used to the wear and tear of living that kind of life. I think if I were to start now, even if I were to get in the most ridiculous shape of my life, like, I'm already at an age where, like, you know, your body responds differently to stuff. You know, taking a fall to your knee is different at 34, 35 as opposed to like in your early, early twenties, you know, you can just get up like nothing. Whereas opposed to like now it's like, Oh, like any, the, the slightest tweak or the slightest movement and you can mess up something entirely and you can be in pain for days or weeks or months or whatever. So yeah, I, I think it's a little late for me on that, but that's a, one of the biggest reasons why I love watching these shows because I love hearing these stories of all these wrestlers and, and all these things that they do and to prepare and, you know, the, just the, the mental aspect of it is, is pretty crazy because living a WWE lifestyle is just, just a, it's, it's a, it's a grind. I'll, I'll say that. And I'm in a profession where like our business is open, you know, 365, you know, we never close except for the pandemic where we closed for a little bit, but we've been back open. So for the most part, we're consistently open all the time and always, always on the go. So, not that, not that I say I know what it's like because I don't, because they have to travel from town to town, country to country, you know, even across continents and all that stuff. So I can only imagine what life is like for a professional wrestler. And I encourage those for those of you that like to just slight that it's like nothing and, and just think it's like, oh, it's fake. Like they fake a uh, fall and, and all these things. Like just go, like watch the, the WWE network on Peacock. Watch a lot of these behind the scenes documentaries. And, and listen to the stories on Stone Cold Steve Austin's Broken Skull Sessions. Like, you're going to learn some things. Like, it really is hard to be a professional wrestler. So, But, yeah, the Jericho episode was a lot of fun. It's over two hours, but it's just a treat for me as a diehard fan. So it was nice to hear those stories. And, again, super cool to hear about all elite wrestling on a WWE show. Like, this is 2021, folks. Like, the, the, the floodgates have been open with something like that. So we'll see if something down the road were to happen. But just know the door, it's, it's been opened. So th- th- that's the fun part. Anyways, let's get to WrestleMania week. Um, like I said, it's not like the whole thing was spectacular. There was some duds. But I've compiled a list of top five matches that I've enjoyed that were, of course, involving WrestleMania, the show itself, and NXT TakeOver, which was on Wednesday and Thursday, and also available on Peacock On Demand, if you can go back and watch anytime you want. Um, I wanted to incorporate that as well because they're a part of now of, of the WrestleMania week. It's just a whole long, you know, event, um, of all these different things going on. Um, but yeah, these, th- this is my standouts uh, of WrestleMania this past week. So at number five, it's the main event of night two of WrestleMania, which was actually yesterday. And that was the Universal Championship match. Triple threat. Roman Reigns defending against Daniel Bryan and Edge. Fantastic match. Um, the reason why this match is not higher up on my list is just because I've kind of, I've kind of grown tired of the, the chaos effect that goes into a triple threat match where it used to be they would never acknowledge, um, the triple threat match as a no disqualification thing. It was kind of like just three wrestlers doing their thing. That's why I kind of like the earlier version when WWE introduced the triple threat match and it would just be three guys going at it, wrestling, and no, not really like using weapons and all that stuff. Like you think about, uh, Vengeance 2002, The Rock, Kurt Angle, and The Undertaker. It was just them, like just 
using all of their best skill sets and it was just them trying to top one each other like wrestling wise there was not you know chairs and all these things being brought into the fold nowadays when they do a triple threat match they so emphasize um the the no disqualification part of it so you'll have a lot of interference you'll have a lot of weapons usage you know breaking of the tables and all that stuff and i enjoy that stuff but i enjoy it when it's uh, it's brought out sporadically and not every single time so in this match, there was a lot of interference from Jey Uso at the beginning a lot and then towards the end, which ended up in the final result. But then there was also the usage of so much chairs and, you know, weapons. And I know fans like the, the violent aspect of it, but I'm an old school guy. I enjoy the, you know, just let your wrestling tell the story to this audience. And, it, and especially when you got guys like Edge and Daniel Bryan in there who know how to wrestle and, and put on a good wrestling match. You add in Roman Reigns in there and they can make him look good. And that, I think that would have been enough to make this a fantastic just wrestling match. And had it been just that, this would have been higher up on the list, if not probably number one. Well, probably not because we all know what my number one is going to be, but I won't spoil it. Um, but yeah, it's it was still a super entertaining match. It had me on the edge of my seat because out of these three, really anybody could have won. And usually nowadays you kind of know what the result is going to be. As far as like who's going to win, it's kind of become a little bit predictable over these last couple of years. So it was nice to have a main event where it's like, man, any one of these guys could walk out as a champion and it would be believable. Um, Roman Reigns ended up uh, retaining, which I had predicted, as well as Brandon on the uh, on the WrestleMania pre-show or pre-rundown of the card that we did last week. We both said that Roman Reigns was the right person to, to win this match. Now, was he going to win cleanly or whatnot? And like I mentioned, there was a lot of interference from Jey Uso, who's, you know, the cousin and the right-hand man, as he so had it, you know, blatantly stated on his T-shirt. Um, he did a lot of interference at the beginning of the match, and then towards the end had a lot to do with Roman Reigns getting the upper hand and, and pinning both Daniel Bryan and Edge. So Edge... Or Daniel Bryan was laid out first, and then Edge was laid out, and Roman Reigns throws Edge on top of Daniel Bryan, and uh, Roman Reigns covered both of them. Now, could there be some controversy that comes out of this? You could have, like, oh, Edge covered Daniel Bryan as well, but Edge's shoulders were on the mat, so the way they placed them kind of made it seem like Roman just straight up beat everybody. And it's not like he cheated, even though he did cheat with interference, because it's no disqualification, folks. That's just the way, you know, WWE likes to you know explicitly point that out so yeah roman reigns comes out on top in a very fun match and uh crowd was into it that that plays a lot into it you know with a again it, it's a whole part of the show right like they have the crowd is like a huge factor determining at least for me like whether you know a match gets elevated from good to great and um this was a one of the great matches uh, of this past weekend but it's at my number five at number four i got um Cesaro versus uh, Seth Rollins and two guys that I really don't really care for. One, Cesaro, because he's just a guy that I just can't get behind because he has no character. And Seth Rollins, just because he annoys me with, with his antics and, you know, his characters have been like, you know, whatever to me. But I knew at the end of the day, and I said this on the on the, on the the countdown show, the, the rundown show, um... I knew this was going to be a good wrestling match because that's what these guys are. They're good wrestlers in the end, you know, despite their lack of character development or being like the strongest of characters. Like they can pull it off wrestling wise. And, uh, you add in the live crowd and they were so into Cesaro, which they've all always been. Um, 
but me, I just never, I never understood the Cesaro thing other than the wrestling. But to me, I think there's more to it. But nonetheless, they delivered a really fantastic match. The two standouts, of course, were was Cesaro breaking the uh, the swing record, and so that got the crowd super involved. And then he did a thing called the UFO, where he was spinning Seth Rollins on top of his shoulders without holding him. So he was spinning super hard, and Rollins is just there laying perfectly like horizontal on his shoulders so like that was a cool little visual and it was a fun match so i i liked it it's my number four and again no no shenanigans no weapons or anything like that just a straight up wrestling match I, i'm old school like that so those those matches are always going to get a little bit more of a pop uh from me uh number three kevin owens versus um sammy Zayn, which the build-up to was uh pretty lame including uh the inclusion of youtube star logan paul which i don't really know much about him or or what he's all about but i know he's popular on the internet Uh, all i know is that i think he's the boxing guy who's like threatened a couple of people but um you know whatever it's more eyeballs on the product so i'll always accept that you know if they're going to bring more eyes more viewership especially with today's generation where i don't know who the big you know celebrities are you know i mean i can mention it now like bad bunny i guess apparently was is a super huge star that i have no idea never heard of him until i saw him appear on a wwe show and i was like who is this guy but apparently he's real big around the world he's a huge music star and you know i'm sure there were a lot of eyeballs on his match um and it got a lot of mainstream notoriety so i'm not gonna question you know, the Bad Bunnies and the Logan Pauls because I'm just, I, I'm, I know I'm up there in age already as far as like, I know I'm not that young anymore. So who am I to say like, oh, well, that's stupid. Why, did, why are they involving this person? They have nothing to do. But WrestleMania and WWE have had celebrities involved throughout the history of their, of their, you know, existence. So, you know, the Logan Paul thing, you know, whatever, it was a weird build, kind of a sped up, you know, little feud that they threw together with Owens and Zayn where it kind of didn't make sense but you knew the day of that these guys can deliver a match these guys go back you know it's the days of Ring of Honor and on the indies like these guys have wrestled each other multiple times so you knew you were going to get a nice little match out of them at Wrestlemania the question is was there going to be enough time for them to do stuff and they got a good decent amount of time and they pulled off a pretty pretty nice little match that got the crowd into it and got it was on night two of wrestlemania and it was like the first like really good match of the night because it night two i'll 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 say was was nowhere near the magic that night one you know was able to develop and uh, it had really taken like an hour plus until like these two showed up and and had a decent wrestlemania match will it be remembered as an all-timer no they've had better matches than this but as far as like getting the crowd back into it and, and, and pulling, you know, you know, a rabbit out of their ass, as far as like giving us a, a really decent WrestleMania match, this passes and it makes it on my list. Uh, as far as like everything else that happened, like, yeah, it, sh- it shows up as number three, just because Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn can always deliver on the mat. Number two, this is from NXT Takeover Night One. It was for the NXT UK Championship, and that was Walter defending against Tommaso Ciampa. Now, I had watched none of this buildup on NXT because, of course, I'd been in and out of wrestling, you know, before WrestleMania. 
actually the last couple of months so i haven't really kept up week by week on what was going on as far as like the build-up i'm sure it was okay but the match itself i knew for some reason was going to deliver because walter is usually good at having good championship matches uh on pay-per-view events or the takeovers and whatnot and tomaso champa's always game whenever it comes to matches like this he usually amps it up to another level and this was a hard-hitting match like i'm talking chops and clotheslines that you just felt like man these are like as real as real can get um just a really really fun match back and forth it was totally if i remember correctly i think the entire match was inside the ring and it was just super hard hitting and and just old school style the way i like you know the big guy against the little guy but it was the little guy giving the big guy a run for his money and walter ends up winning this match on a chop of all things i love it when wrestling i love when wrestlers hit their finishing moves but when it ends on something like that, like randomly, like a huge chop, that just goes to show you the effect of how hard hitting, uh, especially when Walter gives them, like how, like go watch that, like, or just search up like Walter on YouTube and search like Walter, like chop. And I guarantee you some of these chops that he delivers, man, like I, w- I know I would want to try to be a wrestler, but I would not want to take a chop from that guy to the chest uh, because they're brutal. Um, but it was a fun match. Uh, probably it, it's going to be underrated where, you know, there's the diehards know like that was one of the best matches of the week. But overall, like, you know, they're probably going to talk more about the Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cohen sanction match, which, which was fine. But again, I'm, I'm kind of over these gimmick matches and the chaos factor and weapons. Like I just love good old fashioned, like old school wrestling. Uh, just give me that as the buildup for a feud and, and, and it'll, it'll, it'll deliver, I promise you. So Walter versus Champa on NXT Takeover Night One. Go check it out. It's, uh, one of the best, uh, of the takeovers that they put on in recent memory. And then we come to number one, which should shock nobody. Um, some people I've seen don't have this as their number one. They have the Universal title match as their number one, which, Again, people like the violence, the, the chaos, so I can see why. But for my, a diehard wrestling fan purist, there was nothing better this weekend than the main event of night one of WrestleMania. Sasha Banks, the SmackDown Women's Champion, defending against Bianca Belair. It was every, it lived up to everything I hoped it would be. You know, the buildup, it was weird, whatever, there was some bumps in the road. But I knew the day of WrestleMania, if they can get this video package correct, like the matches, the, I knew the match was going to deliver whatnot or whatnot. But the video package, the way they presented it, just gave it this huge big fight feel. And I predicted it exactly right, where there was none of the shenanigans that had been building up for these last couple of months where they were, you know, a de facto tag team going after the tag titles and, you know, turning on one another or whatever. You know, all of that weird BS that just didn't need to be there for this match because you had Bianca Belair who won the Women's Royal Rumble and then she challenges Sasha Banks straight up. Like, that's your story right there. And all the video package had to do was show Sasha as a badass throughout the years, her dominance as a as a female competitor in WWE, which they did show. They showed her through NXT and through her run on the main roster. And then you have Bianca Belair. You show her Royal Rumble win. And then you show her as this badass coming up and you showing her all her strengths. 
her little gimmick, the EST, the roughest, the toughest, the fastest, all that stuff. And you show all these little things that have her building up and uh, their war of words of them being, you know, the best over one another. Like just a classic WrestleMania build, like the best versus the best. You go back to like Hogan versus Warrior at WrestleMania 6. You know, Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart, WrestleMania 12. Stone Cold Steve Austin versus The Rock. And now you have, like, this generation's version of that. It was Bianca Belair, the up-and-comer, you know, the rookie, even though she's been there a couple of years already. Um, and then Sasha Banks, who's, like, the top of her game. And, like, it's a one of those, like, destined, they're destined to meet each other and destined to fight at some point. And, um, yes, Sasha was kind of, quote-unquote, the, the heel-slash-bad guy going into this. But that's the way you always kind of have to do it as far as like when you're doing the wrestling match um, because you it, it's hard to do two good guys um, in the same uh, arena, at least these days. In the 90s, you, you pulled it off with Hogan and Warrior, and, but that was a different time. Now it's like you really have to present one of them as the bad guy. So Sasha Banks, you could tell, was playing the heel in this role and, and, and Bianca as the underdog, like challenger. And they just put on a spectacular, and I'm, and I'm, again, I've said this on social media. I'm not being prisoner of the moment when I say these ladies pulled off one of the greatest main events in the history of WrestleMania. Like this is, this is going to go down as an all timer. Like, you know, no offense to Becky Lynch, Charlotte and Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania 35. They were the first ones to do it as far as like the main event to close out the show, but the match was kind of clunky. Uh, when you went back and watched it, like it's still really good, but there's a lot of clunkiness to it. Um, this match to me played out perfectly. Like they were going for stuff. They were trying stuff that I hadn't seen in matches done with them before. And they were pulling it off spectacularly. Like everything, like just felt like it was all the stars aligned for it to make it such a beautiful and memorable match. And it had a definitive finish. And the only thing that botched it was stupid Michael Cole. Um, so Bianca Belair hits her finish at the end of the match, the KOD, and she pins Sasha clean one, two, three. And as soon as they ring the bell, Michael Cole on commentary says, Sasha kicked out, Sasha kicked out. And Corey Graves has to quickly like correct them saying like, no, she didn't like Bianca's the champion. And that was the only thing that ruined uh, this perfect moment. So I don't know if they're going to dub it whenever they edit this show, which I know they're going to, they're going to heavily edit uh, WrestleMania because there was a lot of stuff that didn't go right. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how they try to dub over that call because it, it's Michael Cole literally like yelling that as Bianca Belair is winning. So it's, it was a weird end to that match uh, on a commentary side. Everything else, like the, what those ladies did in that ring was tremendous. Um, even going back to the, the way the match started, like just the significance of it. Like, yes, it was the first time ever two African American women, women headlining not only a WrestleMania, but just two black women headlining a wrestling show was big in itself. And it wasn't like something that was like, they hammered down Becky, Charlotte and Rhonda's like, yeah, women are going to main event for the first time. Like they threw it down your throats. Um, it deserved the main event, but the way they went about promoting it was kind of like thrown in your face. This organically just happened within the final like day or two where they announced like that they were going to close the show, but it, it felt like it was earned. Like it was just a classic buildup. Um, as far as like the way it was presented on the show, not the classic buildup in the, if you watch the actual SmackDown television show. So <laughs> this is kind of going into my theory where 
you know, you can kind of skip out on the television because the pay-per-views itself, like, haven't been as bad. And they'll tell a different story than what's actually presented on TV. So, again, if you watch this WrestleMania match with Sasha and Bianca, it, it, it's it's presented as if it was, like, the perfect buildup. And the video package sells that. But that's not the way it was played out. But if you skip all of that and you just watch this, you're like, oh, shit. That was a fucking awesome match. Awesome build. Like, two two superstars, like, a, right at their prime. And they collided. And they just had a great wrestling match. And there was no shenanigans either, like. The only weapon you can say that was used was Bianca Belair's hair, but that's part of her. So is it really a weapon? You can use it as as one, but it's not really considered one. And the psychology as far as the way it was used and, and Sasha using it to her advantage throughout the match until it finally backfired and it got used on her in a clip that's going to be, you know, on WrestleMania, like video, uh, you know, packages forever. It's Bianca Belair whipping Sasha Banks with her hair on like her ribs and like the sound of it was just so incredible to the point where I'm like, did they add in that sound effect? But I think no, like so- uh, Bianca Belair's hair just gave that sound effect like as organic and, and, and it was just so real. And even the, the welt, the welt, I think it's how you say it, welt, is that how you say it? Uh, on Sasha's like rib, you could see it after the match and it was like, holy crap, like she like laid into her like hard. But nonetheless, this was the best match. Um, yeah, I want to go back to the beginning. Yeah, the whole historical significance of it and the fact that it was the main event and it wasn't shoved down her throat. It just felt super organic. Crowd um, got on its feet at the beginning of the match and applauded these ladies because everybody understood the significance of it. And what made Bianca Belair's run here like really special, and this goes back to her, her win at the Royal Rumble, where she didn't do like this scripted, like robotic promo the way all of WWE has become. Um, it was very organic. She was crying and, you know, saying thank you to her family and all that stuff. And it just felt like so real. Like it was her. Like, yes, yeah, she's still the character, but it, all the emotion and all the, you know, you know, the crying and all that stuff, it was her. And it felt organic and real. And that's, that's part of what makes wrestling great and how we connect with those superstars is when you get those real moments. You know, we all connected with Stone Cold Steve Austin because he lived vicariously through us. Like, who who didn't want to, like, beat the shit out of their, you know, annoying boss or, you know, whatever. Or, you know, kick ass, throw beers and throw the middle finger in the air and just not caring. And, you know, we all lived through that. We, we wanted to be that. So when you can find a connection like that, the way the audience found with Bianca Belair. Like, when I saw her win the Royal Rumble and I immediately pointed to that promo she did. It's like, holy shit. Like, that got me emotional and got me to care about her win like it meant something so we come to the beginning of this match and her and Sasha are facing off and Bianca Belair is on the verge of crying before the match even starts because she's soaking in not not only is like this her first Wrestlemania she's in the main event like that's that that's a huge deal and maybe she got overwhelmed in the moment but the emotion of it felt real and like it was earned so like you you want to cheer for her you want to see her win but also it meant a lot to Sasha Banks who had always was this like, you know, pioneer as far as like getting this women's revolution going. She's been a huge part of it. Like she's automatic hall of famer for like for life just because she's been in a lot of firsts throughout this entire run in WWE. Um, but yeah, you can tell even she wanted to cry at the beginning of this match, but she was holding it together as her character, the boss, but you could tell it was there and that's what made the moment even bigger for these ladies and just the whole night and the audience clapping and applauding before the match even began was a huge deal. 
and it just it give gave it that big fight feel like it was earned like everything about this was so fucking perfect i loved it um where it's gonna go down all time as like wrestlemania main events it'll probably be up there i'm gonna have to re-examine all of that stuff and that's fun to do but i just want to throw it out there that this match is going to be up there in conversation because not only just because of the historical significance of it but the fact that they actually delivered an entertaining professional wrestling match where we had a definitive winner there wasn't hijinks it was just two ladies claiming to be the best and and proving it against one another like that's what you fucking want in wrestling like it's simple storytelling why is this so hard for wwe sometimes they sometimes overthink it and try to overproduce stuff when you just have your stories right there like (laughs) two women wanting to be the best like that's the easiest story you can tell let them duke it out in the ring no interference none of that shit just straight up professional wrestling that's why when wrestling's like that when when those stars align and everything comes together the, the characters that you got in the story, um, the match itself, the entrances, the, the grandeur of it all. Like, there's nothing fucking better than that. And I love that, that right there reminds me, like, that's why I love wrestling. So those hats off to both of those ladies. I know Bianca Belair is the, the new champion, but shit, like, fucking Sasha Banks has just gone higher on my list. Like, I love Becky Lynch a lot, but Sasha Banks, you know, she's the fucking real deal. And, I knew it from the first time I saw her in NXT. I was like, this girl's like going to be something like, and I know nobody will believe me. And even my best friend, like I said, I, mean, I remember, I said, I remember cheering Sasha Banks when she was like nothing. Like I, I, I saw something in her and I was like, man, like if she gets to be this character, she's going to be like fucking one of the best. And she is sorry for all the cursing, but she's, she's, she's been that damn good. And she talks like it, but she backs it up. She's like a modern day, like Shawn Michaels, like where she talks all that shit like she's the best, but she backs it up in the ring. Like it's it's incredible. One of the greatest main events in WrestleMania history. I could easily say like these this past decade it's been like the best. You know, you you can go back and look at Daniel Bryan's uh run at WrestleMania 30, but you know, there was some hiccups on that as well, but this was just everything was beautiful and perfect about it. Like people are going to nitpick it. Oh, there's some stuff they didn't do right or you know, I was listening to Brian Alvarez on Wrestling Observer, and he said that this match was sloppy. Like, what the fuck is he talking about? Like, I know he likes to nitpick WWE, but f- how could he say it was sloppy or, like, everything flowed, I think, perfectly. I have to watch it again. I, I saw it twice. I know that, and I didn't see any, you know, sloppiness in it, but, you know. And it could, y'all could call me recency bias, prisoner of the moment. I've been watching wrestling for over 20 years, and that, that right there is going to be an all time, like, this will be in the video packages for years to come. Like they've earned that into the lore of, of WWE, at least like they'll be remembered forever. So thank you, Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair for giving me one of the greatest wrestling matches I've seen. And, uh, I want to see it again down the line. You don't have to do it right away. They probably will. Cause WWE, when they got something that happens good, they like to kill the shit out of it and do it over and over again. But I would love to see these ladies again, hook up. I love to see them do an iron woman match. I mean, with these two, they could do it, and it would be tremendous. And I'm not talking 30 minutes. I'm talking give them an hour, and let's see what they cook because they can do it. Like, the women are just that far ahead right now as far as the men goes. Like, WWE, like, the women are the best part of the show. Like, bar none. Like, I can say that with 100% confidence. 
Like they are just above and beyond the best thing going for WWE. And if it wasn't for that, I don't know how much I'd be into it right now because they've been like that little tiny string of hope for me, like that have kept me on like watching like as a diehard fan. So thank you, WWE women. But specifically for this weekend, Bianca Belair, Sasha Banks, thank you so much for this awesome WrestleMania main event. I'll never forget it. And those are my top five matches of the of the week. So go check those out. They're available on Peacock on demand. I think so. I, I'm not sure how their expiration date or they'll take stuff off at certain points. We're in whole new territory here. In WWE Network, you can just, when it was at standalone service, you can just watch it at like, you know, whenever you want it. But now that it's on Peacock, I don't know if there's going to be times where they'll, you know, take stuff off. Like, you know, usually Netflix, you know, oh, this is your last chance to watch whatever. And then it leaves and then it comes back months later. So I don't know if they're going to do stuff like that. So. We're in new territory. We'll see how it goes. But as of right now, all that stuff is available on demand, and you can watch it now. Um, yeah. When we come back, I'm going to wrap up uh, my final thoughts on what I didn't like about the show and some breaking news that I found out today in the world of the NFL. So a little sad news, but I'll talk about that after the break. This is Palace Off the Top Rope. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show, and this has been a heavily like WrestleMania-type show, and I know it's come and gone, and it's one time a year, so that's why there's a lot of coverage on it. So this is probably the most wrestling you'll get out of this podcast, at least for the year, and it's going to be interesting to see like whether I pay attention or not Like uh, post this. like I'll watch The Raw after WrestleMania tonight, which is always usually an entertaining show because you have sometimes new people that debut and, and fresh storylines that start off. Uh, the new, this is quote unquote like the new season of WWE. WrestleMania is always like the end of the season. So that's, everything culminates to that. And then everything kind of starts like fresh. Um, it, it's been kind of lackluster these last couple of years, but we'll see if they pull something out. Like they're going to have a new announced team and you know, th- they've been needing to change up the, the announced team for a while now because I love Tom Phillips, but for the la- for the most part, he's gotten pretty bad on Raw these last couple of months, at least last couple of years. Like he's been pretty bad. Um, so it needs a fresher sound. Um, the show in general just needs to change. Like it's been the same presentation for like over 20 years and they need to do something different. Now I know Vince McMahon is still at the helm. So like until like he, you know, steps aside, resigns or, or, you know, you know, passes away and he's up there in age, you know, at some point, you know, everyone's, everyone's going to pass at some point. Um, you know, it's just life. Um, until then, we're still probably going to see the same type of show, but a new announced team. So that's, they're going to freshen things up with that. Um, let's talk about some of the stuff that didn't play well on WrestleMania. Um, actually one last good thing. And this was, it was a, it was a disaster to start because, uh, it was an outside event, right? At Raymond James Stadium, open field, football field, Tampa Bay Buccaneers play there, Florida. Weather's usually, you know, hit and miss. Like, there'll be times where it rains crazy and then, like, it'll be sunny in, like, the next couple hours post that. So there was rain on WrestleMania Saturday and Sunday to the point where they had a weather delay. And we've never seen a WrestleMania open up like that. So you had the 
incredible opening with Vince and you know they did America the Beautiful and they had this amazing video package like holy shit WrestleMania is back audience is back and what's the first thing that happens there's like no pyro and it cuts immediately to Michael Cole and the announced team and they're like oh, okay WrestleMania is on a weather delay we're gonna have to wait a bit and you see like the fans exiting the the Raymond James Stadium at least to like the safe part of the stadium <laughs> so it, it was on weather delay for like about 30 minutes so this was actually like a real sports broadcast this has happened in football games where they go on a weather delay whether there's lightning in the area or whatever and they have to pause and you know the the broadcasters have to like kind of like ad lib and just talk about you know whatever so what wwe did at this point and it was interesting is they cut to random like interviews in the backstage area so you had like shane mcmahon braun Strowman, drew and bobby lashley facing off um the new day seth rollins and i think kevin owens were the other people that they uh interviewed as well as like cutting back and forth to michael cole and samoa joe who were covered in like ponchos because of all of the rain and it was nice to see because all these interviews were not scripted and robotics it was really like cut off on the fly like who's gonna be able to perform in chaos and we're gonna see which wrestlers are able to speak on the mic and who are the ones that like they have no business like they should have a script because they have no business cutting off the fly even though if you're a professional wrestler at least in my opinion you need to know how to talk and yes you can have people like you know supervise you or whatever but for them to write your entire promo as a wrestler like no like a real wrestler professional wrestler at least in my eyes has to know how to talk from the heart and from the gut and you saw these in some of these promos like specifically kevin owens and 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 you know drew mcintyre even mvp these guys that just know how to talk but then you came to guys like braun Strowman, where it looked like like they were so out of their element because they're used to a script and they were able to pull off a little something, but you could tell who are the real OGs and who are the ones that need, like, you know, they need a script in their hands to learn and rehearse. So it was a nice little, like, 30-minute, like, delay interrupted, like, segment that was part of the WrestleMania broadcast. They could have easily, like, cut away, like, to something like a black screen and Peacock saying, like, we'll be right back in just a moment or whatever. But no, they, Vince McMahon likes to have the show go on and they, they, they improv on the fly. So I give credit to those wrestlers and stuff that were involved in all of that. And hopefully, um, whenever they release it, like on home video and all that stuff, they keep all of that in there because it was nice. Uh, it was a nice different from the norm that we usually get. So now they could easily edit all of that out and it starts off with the championship match which it ended up being drew mcintyre and bobby lashley but i would love for them to keep that in there because it was so organic and so different and it was just again adapting to chaos and the best people do that you know in my profession i always teach like you cannot be robotic and you can't be like so by the book all the time because there's gonna be situations where you're gonna have to adapt and you're gonna have to improvise and the best ones can do it and the others will just like they'll totally they'll totally fail and they'll look like geeks um so it was nice to see that like that was a fun start to it even though like we wanted to see the wrestling matches and all that stuff it was a it was an interesting way to start the show and again it was out of their hands it's all they could do but they did the best with it so that was a, i wanted to at least put a thumbs up on that so good job wwe like you know anybody else would have fallen apart sports it's easy because you can just stay on the announcers and they can talk you know you know debate and all that stuff it's easy for them to come up with with uh just topics to talk about while they go through that but wwe just scrambled and kept cutting back and forth to the different wrestlers 
great job. Keep, please keep that in the broadcast and keep it on your home video release because I do still collect my physical media copies of WrestleMania. I own every single one from 1 through 36. So when you release 37, keep it on there. Please, I'm begging you. It, it's great content. It wasn't bad. Speaking of what was bad, um, let, let's talk about Bad Bunny a little bit. And I'm going to I'm gonna defend Brandon McLaughlin here a little bit. And yes, Bad Bunny did overachieve by by his standards as far as like performing in a in an actual wrestling match it wasn't it ended up being a tag match when we covered this it was still going to be a one-on-one match between the Miz and Bad Bunny but that would have been a disaster but that's ended up would being most of this match even though it was a tag but Bad Bunny did like he he performed like 90% of the match um he did good he had some spots which are going to be in WrestleMania packages forever he does the Canadian destroyer he jumps off the top rope. That's fine. But everybody making this out to be like, oh, yeah, wow, this is the greatest, like, celebrity, you know, wrestler to ever come in out of, you know, not being in the norm and he comes and does a match. We're, we're, this is recency bias, okay? Y- y'all are, this is a prisoner of the moment thing. It was only just later in, in, in the latter part of last year where a guy named Pat McAfee, and yes, this guy was a former NFL punter. He's an actual athlete. But this guy came out of the sports world to come do a pro wrestling match. And he did not one but two. He did a one-on-one with Adam Cole, Pat McAfee, is who I'm talking about. The greatest like debut I've ever seen. He understood the business from top to bottom as far as like cutting promos. He had a character. He was easily the best thing going last year on NXT in the latter part of the year. And then they put him into one of the most dangerous matches that WWE produced, and it's called the War Games, where it's basically two wrestling rings uh, trapped in a barricaded by a steel cage, and you can use weapons and all that stuff. And he was in that, and he did freaking fucking tremendous in it. Like Pat McAfee was just like a—he was kind of like a Kurt Angle, like a, a real athlete coming in, fish out of water, have never done wrestling, and he just adapted quickly and did tremendous. Like that to me was the greatest, like. Best celebrity coming in because Pat McAfee is kind of like more like a celebrity now. He has like his own podcast show, which you can listen to. It's a great show I follow. It's awesome. Pat McAfee did a great job and all that stuff. But you coming into NXT, sir, that was, that was for this wrestling fan right here, that was a treat. It was a delight, not just the wrestling wise. I mean, I know you bought your own ring and you trained and all that stuff and you were doing all this incredible stuff in the ring. But not only that, you were the complete package, my friend. You had the uh, charisma, the promo work. You knew how to talk like a villain. Like you, you, you got it, sir. And I would love to see you back someday on the main stage. Like I would have loved to have seen you perform at WrestleMania. Like that would have been something. Everybody would have been talking about you, sir. So yes, Bad Bunny did great. Everybody's prisoner of the moment. Oh my God, Bad Bunny! It was the greatest thing ever for a celebrity. No, go back to NXT. And watch Pat McAfee. I know it was on a smaller scale, like with a television audience not as big, but that, that was the best celebrity slash athlete or whatever, the outsider you could say. I won't even say celebrity, outsider that just doesn't do this normally. And he came in there and he did a fucking tremendous job from top to bottom, the whole package. Bad Bunny did cool stuff. Fans are probably going to remember that more because it was on WrestleMania and they'll be able to replay that over and over. But let us not forget, and I won't forget, Pat McAfee, man, you were fucking tremendous. I won't let people forget that. So, yes, um, Pat McAfee, 
is still the best like outsider to come out and do this thing. So pump the brakes, everybody, on Bad Bunny. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go to Peacock, search NXT, search Pat McAfee, or search it on YouTube. I'm sure it's there. This guy was the real deal. Um, okay, so that was whatever, right, with, with Bad Bunny. That was fine, whatever. Um, night one was for sure the better night of the two. It was. It felt more, there was an aura to it that just felt a lot more stars aligning. Night two kind of felt more like the same old WWE we've seen. It kicked off with Randy Orton versus The Fiend. <laughs> I mean, what a weird way to start WrestleMania, right? With these two guys in like this blood death feud and specifically death because somebody was burnt to a crisp in this uh, feud. So all of this happening, right? Black goo, black goo coming out of Randy Orton's mouth, all this satanic stuff going into it. You figured they were going to have some type of gimmick match, right? A, a street fight, no holds bar, no DQ, you know, whatever, right? Put something on it. No, this was a straight up wrestling match. And what a, this is like an ass backwards, like type of storytelling because usually the, the wrestling match is what starts it and then eventually, eventually you end up in some type of gimmick, uh, you know, match, whether it be a, a no DQ or a cage or a hell in the cell or whatever, right? That's, that's usually how it goes. That's standard wrestling booking 101. That's always the blow off is always like a huge, like gimmick type thing. No, they went backwards where they did the gimmick match first and then they just worked their way to WrestleMania. And here we are, one on one match opened up. You know, you had the red lighting, which nobody's a fan of. Uh, this goes back to even when Kane did it back in the day. It was just like a gloomy start to WrestleMania. They had the Fiend had a nice entrance, which was about all you can say that was good about this match. Just horrible, horrible booking. And, uh, the Fiend, I don't, you can say he was the baby face, the good guy, but the the character is just weird. Like, why would you cheer that? Like, just the whole satanic and demon stuff out of it. Like, the, whatever. It's not for me. I'm kind of over the gimmick, but whatever. But anyway, he had been built as the 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 good guy leading into this, you know, having been burned. And is he going to come back? And is he going to get his revenge on Randy Orton? And he loses <laughs> after all that. After all that build. Where, you know, it's straight, it's easy rest, wrestling booking one-on-one, you know, the, the heel gets his way throughout the, the, most of the fuel and the build up to it. And the babyface gets his revenge, his return, his revenge on the biggest stage. And no, they failed with that. Like they, they did the same thing to Drew McIntyre, even though I think Bobby Lashley is a strong, like heel champion, but Drew McIntyre gets his first match back in front of live fans. He won the title last year in front of nobody. So you figure this was a good opportunity to put the belt back on him and give him like that huge pop that he deserves because he's been working his ass off, like being kind of like the top, quote unquote, one of the top guys of the company. And they beat him like cleanly, like with the, they had him pass out. Like I know he didn't technically tap out and give up, but he still lost. And that was the first match back in front of fans. Oh man, what a, what a what a way for Vince to be in the bag and just laughing like <laughs> we we thought we were gonna give him a happy start to the show and uh, a good good feeling and no it's just typical WWE booking they like to swerve you sometimes for like no reason but as a wrestling fan like for a long time sometimes it's okay to be predictable and give us the the predictable finish you know let us pop for a little bit. Um, but I'm not going to be too mad about that one, but the fiend stuff, like I'm over that. And they had him lose again. Like I know wins and losses don't matter in WWE, but at this point, like you keep beating the fiend all the time. Like, so what's even the point of him? Like if he's so like indestructible and all this, but yet he can't win a match. Like, 
the hell's going on? So I'm over I'm over that. I don't know what they're gonna do with it. Towards the end of it it looked like Alexa Bliss who had been like under this spell or transformed into like this evil little like Chucky girl doll and looked like she turned on Bray Wyatt or the fiend at the end of this thing and it was just like it was weird and then they both just disappeared. The crowd booed and it was just it was bad. It was a bad way to start night two of WrestleMania and then just things just didn't get too much better after that until Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn saved the day. Um yeah, just you had Bailey I mean, one of the best workers like over the last couple of years and over basically over this last year she's done like tremendous work with uh being a heel champion and and all the stuff with Sasha Banks was incredible. And then you have her here just like dressed up in a tuck in a suit, being a geek all over the place, everyone treating her like a joke. And uh, there had been rumblings that Becky Lynch might be returning this weekend in a segment with her that they've kind of been building a little bit on SmackDown. Have you been watching? But I hadn't been, but I had heard that there were some teases of that. So you were thinking like, oh, okay, like this WWE could totally pay this off and have a segment where Becky Lynch comes back in front of fans and, you know, sticks it to Bailey, whatever. But instead, they tease Bailey throughout night one. Nothing happened, so I'm like, okay, cool, they're going to save it for night two. And Becky Lynch, trolling all of us, was doing it on social media through Instagram and Twitter and getting us all riled up. And again, that's our own fault for expectations, right? That's our fault. But how easily can WWE just deliver a moment like this to the fans and just have us go, yeah, that, that was awesome. It was a WrestleMania moment because that's all WWE is about, right, when it comes to WrestleMania. It's not really so much about the matches anymore. It's just about creating a moment. Um, and that would have been one. And instead, Bailey comes out, again, teased throughout the show. She comes out towards the end, and, you know, she interrupts Titus and Hulk Hogan, like the, the worst co-hosts, like, in the history of whenever they started doing co-hosts for this show. Like, they just had no business, like, no charisma. Like, get them off my screen, please. And she comes out, so like, oh, sweet, this is going to be it. This is going to be the moment where Bailey will come out to the ring, and she'll do, like, her shtick, whatever, ding-dong, hello, um, which is is a cool little catchphrase, by the way. It's grown on me. She could have done all that, and then you could have Becky Lynch's music hit. The crowd will go fucking bananas, me and myself included, because Becky Lynch has been one of the, you know, the staples of what kept WWE like relevant to me in my eyes uh, over these last couple of years. What a what a dramatic return that would be right in front of fans. That'd be the first time we've seen her since she left for to go, you know, have a child. Um, I know she's been training to come back. It's just a question of when is it going to happen. And WWE could have easily pulled this off and given us a tremendous moment uh, along with the main event with Brian and Reigns and Edge. You know, it just would have been – it would have capped off and it would have been all the buzz. But it was just kind of like a like a whatever. Like they threw – the Bella Twins came out, which made no no sense. They've been retired. They're in the Hall of Fame, yes. But they came out. They've been in retirement for a couple of years now. And they beat up Bailey. Like what was the point? You made Bailey to look like the biggest geek and she's been one of the strongest like female competitors that you've had over those last couple of years especially after you turned her heel like she's just you made her out to be a nothing and getting beat up by the bella twins like i like them don't get me wrong and my daughters will probably hate me because i'm talking mad shit about the bellas right now but they're they're just nothing right now they're they're a bunch of nothings and uh i mean they have their show and all that stuff great but you know them beating up on bailey and the crowd was right to boo them because this would have been a moment to give us like Becky Lynch and have her return. And who knows if they'll do that tonight on Raw. 
And if she comes back, that'll be my one reason to stick around and keep watching post WrestleMania. Other than that, you'll, you'll see me back for SummerSlam. <laughs> Forget all of this middle part as we build up to that. No, no. If she doesn't come back tonight, then, uh, expect me to return for SummerSlam. That's the next time you'll hear me talk about wrestling. Unless AW does something like tremendous or NXT or whatever. But yeah, an easy moment you could have given us as fans and you failed on that. And again, if I was booking this show, that's an easy WrestleMania moment. Easy. You don't have John Cena. This is the first WrestleMania without John Cena since 2002. So you could give us, this is like one of the biggest names you've, you have in your company and you could have had her do something. Unless you're holding her off for something bigger that's going to happen tonight. That's the only exception to the rule. Because if you don't have her debut tonight, then what a wasted moment. Like you, like you could have used her for that, even if it was just for one night. She'll come back later down the road, but you could have had her come out one night to pop the crowd. It would have been huge. Easy 101, guys. Now, I've heard that maybe just because it might have leaked out there that this was a possibility that WWE decided not to do it. But again, guys, WWE, this is not hard. Sometimes it's okay to be predictable and give us, give the fans that, that easy moment. Like it's just, it writes itself. It's not hard. Stop swerving us just to swerve. Makes no sense. I don't know. Just my thoughts on that. So night two is just a really big step down from uh, night one. And, uh, you know, they could have done some fun stuff with the women's tag team. You ended up having two heels, heel teams go against each other, which was weird. Um, Just weird decisions. Sheamus beating Riddle for the United States Championship. Riddle's the up-and-comer. That's your future star. Build around him. You go back to the well. WWE just likes to go back to the well with these big guys that they keep trying over and over and over again. Sheamus has been around since 2009. We're in 2021. Why are you putting that belt on him? It does nothing. It does nothing. Unless you're going to have him squashed by like Keith Lee. But why not just have Riddle carry the belt and have him feud with guys like Keith Lee and and Cedric Alexander and Mustafa Ali, you know, all these young young guys that they should be pushing, but yet we go back to Sheamus. Nobody cares. I said this on a social media post yesterday. This is like Big Ben with the Steelers. Like, what is it with this guy? Like, what is it? Like, I'm over it. Move on. Like, it's time for the young and the new. Um, he ain't what he used to be. Sheamus was something at one point and could have been, like, bigger, but... You know, his time has come and gone. I mean, he's a he's a good wrestler, but in 2021, that does nothing for me. Like, I'm over it. Ugh, bad decision there. Good chance for Riddle there for a star-making performance. Put on a hell of a match. These guys actually did pretty well together. I'll give them that, but just the, the decision. Come on. And if it was done just to swerve us to swerve, it's stupid. Stupid, stupid, stupid. You stupid idiots. It's not hard, WWE. I love you guys, but gosh, when you when you deserve to be criticized, like you guys deserve it. Like and for something like this, you deserve it. Um But yeah, we'll see what happens. Raw after WrestleMania. Usually pretty good. We'll see what happens though. If there's no Becky Lynch, there's no Becky Lynch to signal some type of return, then i I'm out till SummerSlam. Alright? So you won't get full-on wrestling for me until then last thing i want to cover before we wrap up here this will be on a somber note for me um as i'm recording this 
there was a news alert that came on my phone from ESPN. Patriots related, they have released Julian Edelman. After 11 years with this organization, he is no longer with the team. And I know he's been dealing with a lot of injuries, a lot of nagging injuries throughout the years. So this was kind of like, we were already kind of like at the end of his career, even though he's still a young guy. But in the NFL, like injuries pile up, like, you know, just like in wrestling, you pile up all these injuries. You're like a shell of your former self and you're just never the same. So he's no longer with the team. And it's also expected that he's going to retire. Which is also bumming news because I would have loved to have seen him have like maybe a one or two seasons more just to do something. And maybe he will. Who knows? It's just, it's, that's the, the, that's what's being reported, right? Like it's not official. It's just, that's what the rumblings are. And this is coming from one of the Boston reporters who I really trust. He's a really good a reporter for the Patriots and he's good at covering this team and all the news. So I don't think he would lie, but also it's not like official until we see like a post from Julian Edelman himself saying that he's going to retire, like, I won't believe it. But um, I, I just need to say, like, out of all the Patriots that have come and gone, obviously Tom Brady, of course, will always be at the top of that list. What he did for this franchise will never be forgotten, bar none. Six championships with that organization doesn't happen without that guy. Um, he's he's the heart and soul of that, of that team. That's without question. You know, other than the coach, it was always Tom Brady. Like, that's that's the guy. He's the guy. Um, but one of the other strong locker room leaders to emerge during the Brady run with Belichick, and this came in the latter part of the dynasty, was Julian Edelman. He was that little scrappy, like, just underdog that you could just get behind. Like, he was feisty, man. This guy, I remember when he started with the team, he was just like a punt returner. He was like on special teams. He was like a nothing. He was a nobody. He played on defense. I remember seeing him playing on defense. And then they transitioned him into this receiver role, into like this uh, Wes Welker slot receiver. And uh, he ended up becoming one of Tom Brady's, you know, most trustworthy um, weapons and go-to guys. Like, that's the guy Brady would trust the most as far as like, oh, shit, we're on a third and three. Who can we get the ball to to move the chains? Julian Edelman. So he was always good for those little, like, catch and runs, like, escaping the tackle and gaining that extra yardage but he was also like a huge locker room leader man giving inspirational speeches pumping everybody up just as much that that's part of brady's uh amazingness as a teammate was the fact that he could inspire others to be like leaders and and pump up the team and that's what julian edelman was like he was just like the the little brother like that just would piggyback off of what brady would do but he would also bring his own flavor to it he would even pump up brady at times when he needed it so he was just like that type of guy. I think back to Super Bowl 51 when they're trailing against the Falcons, right? They're coming back in the second half. And, you know, everyone's kind of looking defeated. Me, myself, as a fan watching the game, I was just like, uh, I couldn't believe what was happening. But you go back and you watch the NFL films and, the, and then the, all the players being mic'd up. And Julian Edelman's like talking about like, oh, man, it's going to be like a hell of a story, man. It's going to be a hell of a story this second half. And we, we all found out at, at that time or at least post that game that Tom Brady's mom had been battling breast cancer and you know Brady was struggling with that emotionally and one of the things I remember from from the NFL films on that was Julian Edelman go going up to Tom Brady and I'm getting emotional just just thinking about it and he's like we're gonna win this man and we're, we're gonna win it for your mom we're gonna we're gonna win this game for your mom like that's 
as a teammate, as a as a friend, as, as someone like on your side, to have somebody say that to you like that that means a lot. like if somebody said that to me like you know hey we're gonna do this for your mom like we're it's not just not just about us but it's about your mom too like this is a big part of it like that that will forever like be one of julian edelman's greatest moments uh just as a person like unbelievable yes they ended up winning the super bowl dramatic comeback but one of the biggest moments was julian edelman in that moment telling tom brady we're gonna do this for your mom just overall tremendous competitor so much heart three-time super bowl champion as part of the patriots um he won the super bowl mvp in the final super bowl the patriots won uh, against the the los angeles rams uh deservingly so it wasn't one of those like oh we we just got to give it to somebody like no julian edelman was it was a tough defensive struggle in that super bowl and julian edelman was the only one getting separation and getting you know yards after the catch and all that stuff he he didn't score the final touchdown but he was a huge contributing factor as far as like getting the offense to get something going in that game so julian edelman's gonna if this is it for him if, this, if he's gonna retire and he's got a lot of these postseason records that only like him and like jerry rice are like at the top of the list like that's some pretty amazing company t- to be on to be with you know some people consider jerry rice to be the greatest wide receiver of all time and for julian edelman to have like records up there in the top echelon with him to me julian edelman is a hall of famer three-time super bowl champion super bowl mvp um has those postseason records with jerry rice i know he was never mentioned along the likes with like julio jones and and Des Bryant and, you know, guys like that, you know, Antonio Brown. Like, there was nothing. Julian Edelman did get suspended once over something that he paid the price for. But other than that, this guy was always a stand-up guy, like never any trouble, anything like that. To me, he's a Hall of Famer, like for sure. And I'm not just saying that as a Patriots fan. I mean, just look at his body of work and what he was able to do. And, you know, for a guy his size and stature, like he really should have been a nothing. And the fact that he was able to transition – into different areas on that team and uh even playing quarterback at one point right in one of the most pivotal patriots playoff games in 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 their history was the uh 2014 divisional round against the baltimore ravens where they needed to play they kept going down against the ravens like they went down twice to them in that game that game took years off of my life but what one of the most memorable plays in the history of that run, that Super Bowl run, run that they ended up winning against the Seahawks. But against that game, against the the Ravens, Julian Edelman does that touchdown pass to freaking Danny Amendola in a perfect touchdown pass. Um, yeah, I'm a, it's it's gonna be crazy. Like if this is it for him. Like he has had a hell of a career. Uh, another amazing moment with him, Super Bowl Fifty One, as I just mentioned that that. That tremendous speech he gave to Brady and that inspirational, like, we're going to do this. Um, was that impossible catch he made that, like, he caught in between, like, two Falcons players' legs as they were all scrambling to the ground. I have a t-shirt that he made off of his website for it. Like, he he's going to be remembered uh, for me as a Patriots fan, but also just, like, as a great NFL player, competitive spirit. Uh, just amazing stuff that he pulled off and he, he won championships out of it. Like he, this guy is legit. He's a real deal. And, uh, it, it's sad that this is probably the end, you know, with the injuries and stuff like that. So I wish him nothing but the best. 
and Jules, uh, the squirrel. Like you've brought me so many great joys and memories uh, being a Patriots fan, and I will root for you to get into the Hall of Fame, even if I have to do a whole. I'll do a whole episode dedicated to you, man, uh, because you are worthy of getting into Canton if this is the end of your career. Because that's the I believe that's the next stop for you is the Hall of Fame. So, Julian Edelman released from the Patriots today, and uh, it's sad for me because it's kind of like almost the end of that. Patriots run minus like Belichick and maybe uh, uh, Josh McDaniels because Gronk's gone, Brady's gone, you know, and now Edelman's gone. Like those are like core members of that crew, like on these last final Super Bowl runs. Um, so yeah, sad day for Patriots fans, but there's a lot to look forward to as far as like him going into the Hall of Fame. So Patriots fans, if you're listening, those in Boston, like you guys need a campaign for that because this guy was just as important. Uh, as Brady as far as like he was an important member of this organization so yeah gonna wrap it up on that ah Julian Edelman gonna miss you buddy um you can follow this podcast on Spotify search Palace off the top rope hit that follow button um I do share this podcast link through my social media pages on Facebook Instagram and Twitter through podbean.com you can download the app you can listen on your phone or if you're an Apple person, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave me that five-star review. I would greatly appreciate it. It helps in all the data. Again, I'm trying to grow this podcast more and more. I'm trying to do different things. I got all these ideas in my head of what I want to do. Um, so a lot to look forward to. I'm happy to do this podcast. <laughs> kind of glad WrestleMania is over. So it's it's a fun time for wrestling fans, but also it's like I'm at the point now where it's burnout at this point of the uh, of the talk of it. Like it's come and gone. Like yeah. It could use a break from wrestling unless Becky Lynch returns. So, Becky, if you don't come back tonight, you won't hear about wrestling from me for a while. So, yeah. Thank you guys for joining me today, and uh, we'll see you later down the week. I think I got another episode planned. Uh, so, hopefully you all stick around during the weekend and watch that drop. But this will be up as soon as possible. So, thank you guys. Enjoy the start of your work week. God bless you. <laughs>